Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading this week's episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast where Welsh rugby matters. We managed to track down Dan Killick, former, no I can't say former, co-host, the uh, the regular co-host of, uh, of this show and uh, yeah we also managed to drag him away from a family barbecue so uh, yeah you should uh, feel very very privileged to, uh, to be in Dan Killick's company for this episode and we've got plenty of rugby to talk about too. And so starting, of course, with the two Welsh derbies, the Scarlets win over the Dragons and the Cardiff Blues win over the Ospreys at Rodney Parade. So we get uh, our teeth stuck into all of those things. Plus, uh, we look at some of the options for Wales when it comes to uh, the Autumn International, some of the areas of strength. Uh, We have a look at uh, some of the crop of young Welsh centres that are coming through and and who are those uh, really excite us and have a look at who potentially could be uh, coming into the squad uh, as nine with uh, Thomas Williams likely to miss uh, a large amount of rugby. So all of that coming in this one, plus we also take a look at um, South Africa and what the future might be for them, and could they be getting a lot closer to the Northern Hemisphere. So all of that is to come. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. And as always, a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get your hands on some great quality coffee, including some fantastic instant coffee, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast and a special treat for you all as we've managed to pin down one of the most elusive men in the whole rugby podcast in space. It is, of course, the founding father of this podcast, Dan Killick. How are you, Dan? Very good, Jed. Nice to be back on. Nice to be back. Thanks for inviting me on. Been a while. Well, that's it. Yeah, we're, we're working on a bit of a 
I guess a pay as you play contract now, Dan, isn't it? You're in the. Uh, you're, That's you're it. Now I'm getting on of, a bit. Yeah, you're in the latter stages of your career. <laughs> Those Gavin Henson, uh, Gavin Henson comparisons have come back to light once again. This is you in your in your last season at the Dragons, something like that. <laughs> Feels like it. Feels like it. <laughs> no, I'm good. You well? Yeah, yeah, good. Thank you. Lots of um, lots of painting and decorating of uh, of our house which I've been boring you with and I'll try not to bore the listeners with because we do have some rugby to talk about Dan which still has a novelty factor to it uh, I'm not sure how much longer it's going to have the novelty factor for how have you found these games since uh, since we've been back yeah the, it's good to get rugby rugby back underway isn't it but it's there's there's not a there's nothing much on them is there it's just nice yeah. to see nice to see uh, I suppose rugby back on the back on the screens good to see the boys back out in the parks and um yeah it, it, it's just nice to have the game the game back isn't it and see a few see how the sides are fair enough really so i have i've definitely enjoyed it i'd much rather have them than not that's for sure oh yeah 100 percent. it's it's very odd watching them without anything in the in the stadium as you know i i know all the listeners will be will be familiar with with how strange it is and also i think if you've watched any of the football games where they've had piped in noise, things like that. It's, it's just a really, you know, it's, it's a weird time for much bigger reasons than our enjoyment of rugby. But at the same time, there is something just a little bit strange about it. Oh yeah, there, def- there definitely is. But I think it's important to sort of reset ourselves, isn't it? And just be, I guess, just be grateful that we've got something, we've got something, um, it's not, it's not, you know, it is rugby, isn't it? It's just different to what we've to what we've known. But what I did, what I have found from these games, is that I knew I was missing our great game. But um, you don't quite realise just how much do you until until you actually sit down, put the TV on, and watch you know watch the ball being thrown around, and it's just great. And then, really you, is. and then you start missing the way that it was. <laughs> you miss, you miss well, yeah. the crowds and stuff. But you know, you do. This is but you just have to try not to go there, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you just, were, yeah, reel yourself back in. You're absolutely right. It is. It is just much more enjoyable having some stuff on the weekend to to watch. And between between the two of us, we're going to do a bit of a, uh, I guess, split the show in half. Really. So I've seen both games. You have seen the Dragon Scarlets game and know absolutely nothing about the Cardiff Blues versus Ospreys game. Am I right in saying that then? You're absolutely spot on. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm blind coming in on that game. I've got it I've got it recorded. So after after we've finished up our uh, our chat here, I'll be watching the game. But uh, uh, after hopefully... we finish our chat you're gonna be pretending to go and watch it. <laughs> I will be I will I will be watching it. I I, I guarantee you I will be so yeah, I'll be I'll be analysing what you tell me. <laughs> Mate, it's an interesting one that because I really struggle to watch a game rugby that I know the result of. I do. Yeah, I'm, like... I know. I know. I'm sort of in the minority with this, but I, I can still I can still watch the game, which is yeah. You've said it to me before. How on earth do you do it? But I just yeah, I can still watch it. So uh, yeah, especially have... at the moment as well when yeah. we've had the Adney rugby. Well, I'm I'm literally. You can probably hear. I'm excited. Really I... excited. I have on occasions, you know, watched a, watched the Wales game back after Six Nations, or you know, like if we beat England or something. And I really, I, I have on the odd occasion. Oh, how many? How many times? <laughs> yeah, I have on the odd occasion stuck it on after getting back from the pub or something like that. But with a 
yeah, with a, a league game that I don't know that, that I've been trying to avoid the result with, I, I struggle if uh, if someone, usually Craig Muncie, has blown it for me. Although he's been he's been much better behaved since I called him out on air for texting me and uh, and ruining the results. But anyway, let's let's crack on. We'll have a look at both of those games. We're going to start in the first half with Dragon Scarlets, which uh, I'll be asking you the questions on, and then. Presumably, given the fact that you've seen none of the game, Dan, you'll be asking me the questions on Cardiff Blues versus Ospreys in the second I hope so. <laughs> uh, and we've got some other we've got some other talking points. As it would be quite fun, actually, by the way, just to just to ask you, like, give the rundown on the game. Yeah, and just you know, just getting your uh, getting you to try and guess what happens, but. Uh, we, we, won't, we won't do that on this occasion. Maybe we will in the future. But we have got some other talking points to have a look at as well. Uh, obviously, there's a couple of European quarterfinals uh, a few weeks away, which um, we can kind of have not an in-depth preview about, but we can certainly have a look and see how, uh, how these games might, uh, might affect those performances. Uh, a couple of injuries with regards to, to Wales selection. And uh, yeah, I want to talk about some of the players who've, uh, who've impressed you over these, uh, these runner fixtures. And uh, yeah, as usual, a bit of uh, uh, a bit of Pro 14 bashing from me and uh, all the things you've come to expect from this podcast. So right, without further ado, mate, let's, uh, let's get stuck into it. Um, I suppose the the major talking point of Dragons versus Scarlets uh, has been the disallowed try from Jared Rosser. What was your take on that? I would have, I, I would have given a try. Mm. Um, looking at that, I thought it was a it was a harsh call. Um, you know, Basham sort of he 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 didn't he was on the wrong side, but he didn't. I don't think he really interfered with. Um, with Hardy, the, he'd made the pass, didn't he? Which was a poor pass. The the release was poor. So I I, I think the Dragons are really hard done by there on that, and there was definitely a um, uh, a momentum shift, wasn't there? Off you know off the off the back of that, or, or momentum could have changed anyway with with that try where um, you know Ross are obviously out, out outpaced quite comfortably, um, Steph Evans. Who we know isn't the isn't the, isn't the quickest over, you know, over uh, uh, in terms of an out and out sprint, is he? But his his you know his feet and everything else are mm. fantastic. So harsh call for me, um, but I could you know you could understand why it was made. But a tough one. What did you make of it? Um, I I didn't think that uh, I you know you see that so many times. A player's on the wrong side. If you're doing everything you can to get out of the way, and he ducked. I don't know, you know, I don't know what else you can do there. Because if, for example, Hardy had thrown the ball at him, you know, like Reese Webb used to do this three or four years ago. He was very good at buying yes. penalties. If he ducked and Hardy had thrown the ball at him, would they have given a penalty or would, uh, would the referee have said, no, no, you've thrown that at him? You know, do you know what I mean? So I, I get the yeah. feeling. I think it was a bad pass. I don't think it was a penalty. The only other contentious thing, and I, I've seen it from a couple of angles and I can't quite make my mind up on this, is was Rosser in front of the kicker? And they haven't shown a huge amount of replays of this because they spent the whole time looking at the, at the Basham incident. And potentially he's just a sniff in front of, in front of the kicker. But again, you know, you... The benefit of that generally goes to the attacker in those situations. You very rarely see one, unless it's hugely obvious. Uh, you very rarely see that get chalked off. But if I'm honest, as much as it was a momentum shifter, I, um, I, I 
you know, Dragons weren't going to win that game. I think it would have made it a more interesting spectacle after that. And it's just those things that, you know, using the TMO, I do think that it's, you've just got to get that balance right. It's the same with football. You know, football does it even, you know, even worse than rugby. But I do feel like the, the use of the TMO over the last 10 years has become so much more a, a big influence on the game. And it can kill the joy, you know, something like that. I just think where well, it's a very marginal decision and it's nothing clear and obvious, I'd have given them a try. I, and I know, I know that Scarlet's fans will be, will be listening to this saying, what are you talking about? Either it's, you know, either it's a penalty or it's not. And I, I do just think that that's where the laws should be, should be there benefiting the attacking side because we all want to see tries scored. But bigger picture, Scarlet's more experienced type five did a number on the drags up front and that's where the game was won and lost rather than a refereeing decision. So, uh, so it's not sour grapes for me. It's just one of those where I do have a bit of frustration with, with TMOs kind of, you know, killing a bit of the, the joy of rugby, which is, which is, you know, where we, we get to see tries getting scored. Yeah. It could have made for a, could have made for a different, different game though, couldn't it? With that, you know, with that try, because of course, you know, Scarlet's were, <sighs> You know, we're um, you expect them always to win, wouldn't you? With the the dominance they had, uh, they had up front. But something like that, the massive, massive call, so hard done by. Yeah, big call. I, th- I think we were hard done by, but you know, these things happen, and you got to bounce back. Uh, I want to take a look at the two sides now, though, Dan. You've had a chance to see the Scarlets uh, over two games. What have you made of them? Two wins from two. You can't really ask for for much more than that. Yeah, Scarlets are really impressing me. They've got enormous strength and depth. It's 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 quite frightening, really, when you look at you know the look at the players that that are out at the moment that are they're not even you're not even featuring, and you know they're playing the type of they're playing the rugby they're playing at the moment. I mean, you know, half penny out, Liam Williams, you know, Foxy Patchell, Cassim Shingler. Uh, it's 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 Rob Evans, Kruger, uh, Thompson, the uh, Tex in the second row. It's just he's uh, when he's back from uh, from his travels. Uh, it's they have the Scarlets have got a serious serious side, and it's it's really exciting. Plus their coaching setup as well. I mean Delaney, I think he speaks wonderfully, doesn't he? We've all got used to some good press conferences mm-hmm. um, from uh, from the New Zealander over the last you know over the last year, and he's taken on now, and he just sounds. It's just he's just got a lovely way about him again, isn't he? So, I think the Scarlets at the moment are in a are in a, a super place. Yeah, I think I think the recruitment has been very good, and yeah. To, how many times you, you could pick any episode of this podcast from the past three years and more than likely would be a bit from me talking about how good their recruitment has been. And I think, I think it looks the, the case for the, for the new set of players they brought in. I thought Callum Afoni was excellent. He was a real handful, just a wrecking ball trying to, you know, able to, to make yards whenever they needed it. And also, it's looking back to those, those past recruits. Someone like Lewis, Lewis Rawlins, I think, would be such a great player for, for a side like the Dragons or Cardiff. You know, a, a team that wants a lot more, 
a lot more grunt in the second row. And, you know, he is uh, essentially a second, third string player for the Scarlets. He's vital for these, ga- for these games. You know, he is it's just one of those players that is able to come in, do a job for a few games, go back, train hard. He must be an absolute delight for the, for the coaching staff. But every time, every time I see him play, he can't help but, him, you know, I can't help but be impressed by him. And what grates me more is, of course, he's, uh, he's of Gwent stock himself. And, um, yeah, you can't help but think that one slipped through the net a good few years ago. He definitely slipped through the net. Yeah, he had, a, he had a seriously impressive game, didn't he? I, I can't really remember a, a, a poor game that I've seen him involved in. And he covers, he covers a number of positions as well, doesn't he? You can slot him in in the back row. You can play mm. six. But I do like him at second row. Really industrious, isn't he? And he's, he's round the park. I mean, he was, he was everywhere. And he's going to be... Um, a vital cog, isn't he, for the Scarlets throughout um, throughout the campaign? With um, you know, with the Welsh players being being away, uh, comes across as a decent you know decent bloke as well, doesn't he? You so mentioned really impressive. Yeah, you mentioned Steph Evans a couple of moments ago. Obviously, he was a handful yet again, and grabbed himself you know a good few tries the the week before against Cardiff Blues. Some some calls say I think it might have been Shane Williams saying that he deserves a, a recall for Wales. What's your thought on that? He's he's playing well, isn't he at the moment? It, I think there's just it, he is probably quite a a difficult a uh, difficult system player. So because he likes to play off a di- the cuff, a difficult systems player. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so. You know, Wales like to Wales play a lot of uh, a lot of their plays, and they know what they're doing in all, in in all aspects of the park. And Steph Evans is best, I think, when he's when he's given a sort of free a, a, a free role, free mm. reign. And I think we've sort of seen that when he's played for Wales, he's he's tried to do what he's done for what he does for the Scarlets, and you you can't blame him for doing that because it's worked wonderfully well. But it just hasn't quite happened at international level. Um, so I think if he if he does come back into the Welsh setup, he has to sort of change his his way of playing because I don't think Wales will. So I, I'm not quite sure it's as simple as just you know Steph Evans is playing really well, in he comes for me personally. But it's great to see him uh, playing you know playing some some top rugby again, and you can see how much he's he's enjoying it because you know he's had a bit of a a bit of a tough a tough period, isn't he? Where really. He wasn't enjoying. He wasn't enjoying things, and um, it's, yeah, he's back with us. Back with a smile on his face. The other thing to consider, of course, with the Welsh national setup is there's a lot of strength in depth when it comes to you know perhaps not. Well, actually, yeah. You look at the first string. You've got Liam Williams wherever he plays, whether it's fullback or wing. You've got Halfpenny taking up one of the back three positions. You've got Josh Adams, who I'm sure we'll talk about later. Is has made that that shirt his own. You've got North. Then there's the likes of Hewitt and Resamit and these players who are on the the periphery of the squad. And I'm sure there's a load more who I've forgotten too. But it's uh, it's going to be difficult to get back in. And it's not you know he has had opportunities there before. So I think he's he's going to have to. It's going to take more. I would suggest than just uh, just a couple of good performances. I think he's going to have to 
to carry on the hard work and, and keep getting over the whitewash for for many games to come. But I'm sure, I'm sure that's what we'll be working towards. And I very much doubt he's yeah, hope on it. Yeah, definitely. He's, he adds something different, doesn't he? He's a, he's a box of tricks, a live wire, difficult to, to contain. I just think there's so much strength and depth in wing now within the, within the Welsh setup, which we've been, you know, if you only, only look back, you know, cup, you know, two, well, probably two and a half years ago, we were light on the wing. We were mm. really light. Now, all of a sudden, we've got a lot of choices, which is, um, you know, which is fantastic to see. I mean, in, in, in the Scarless game, I think, uh, one of the one of the massive positives for me was was how well Samson Lee went. He he gave Josh Reynolds a torrid time, and you could you could just see how destructive a scrummage he is. He he looked almost back at his best. He was round the park. He took his try, I thought, brilliantly. Um, the way he just had a little look up, and there was no one going to stop him. Was that mm. he was going through that wall. And he had a great game for me, great game. And he is—he's someone that, you know, as a Welsh fan, we really need him firing, don't we? Oh, absolutely. That's you talk about areas of strength and areas where we we need more. Well, not even just more cover. We need more options. And Tighthead is undoubtedly one of those. Particularly when you look at the importance that. Thomas Francis has had there for the last couple of years. You're right. We need Samson Lee playing at his best. I think that it was going to be a tough ask for Reynolds as a very young prop who actually I think has got a, has got a again he's, he's he's fantastic around the park. I I think and he's, he, he's a real yeah. athletic player. He is, isn't he? And he had some got, good touches, didn't he? Some yeah. good, good runs. Absolutely, but it was going to be tough coming up against an experienced scrummager like Samson Lee. I think that it will be good for it will be good for Samson's confidence, I'm sure. And he just again, he's just going to want to have to string these performances together. But uh, I suppose the advantage is that Wayne Pivak knows him very well. Same with Steph Evans, knows him well, knows what he's capable of. And I imagine he's he's not going to be far from he's not going to be far from Pivak's thoughts if he keeps putting these performances in. Yeah, there's if he if he if he can keep fit, he's um, he's a cert to be to be back in that squad. Um, and I I like the way that he's he's getting around the park more. Mm. He's actually he's actually putting in. Um, you know, I've seen him on a number of occasions now put in a lot a lot of tackles. He's getting because there was certainly a time where he was you know, he was scrummaging and mm. scrummaging very well, but. There was, a, there was, I think, other areas of his game, like his work rate, were were a little bit off. Um, but he, 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 he addressed that, and yeah, it's just for me, it's it's really exciting to have some someone like that. That if he can stay fit, will be such an asset to to, to us at the, at the national level. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's take a look at the dragons. It's been. A draw and a defeat for them. Reasons to be positive, though, from what you've seen in those performances. Dean Ryan said before this week's game that he's largely treating them as prep for the European quarterfinal. What uh, what have you made of their performances in these two games? I thought I thought the Dragons against the Scarlets. They played some really good rugby. looked looked dangerous out wide. Sort of moved the ball around uh, nicely. Thoughts. 
the you know, Tompkins was obviously a handful, wasn't he? Um, I think he's more than a handful. You know, he's uh, he's really impressed me in these two games. Not that I needed to see much more to be convinced by him, but he is he offers such a threat. And half the time, and I'm sure this isn't the case. Half the time, it doesn't look as though he knows where he's going to go next, and that seems yeah. to, that seems to confuse yeah. defenders. It doesn't look like they're playing to whether it's for, for Wales, for Dragons, or for Saracens. When he gets the ball, it doesn't look as though he is that the back division are playing off a, a pre-prescribed playbook. It looks as though he is looking for a gap and, and he's going to find his way through it, or he's going to take it into contact and, and recycle it well. So he's been he's been really impressive for me in those two games. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about him. Like it looks as if he he doesn't know at times what he's going to do, but he he, he makes it happen. That because he beats he's deceptively strong isn't he mm. I mean because he beats the first man almost well, second man as well really and then he gets his he seems to get his hands free doesn't he to get a to get an offload or just really clean presentation you know he sort of he presents the ball mm. like like lengthways back so it's quite quick for 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 um for Rodri to come in so he's yeah I mean he's not going to be around a great deal is he but when he is he's difficult even though you know that he's probably going to cut in at times and he's going to run on sort of back on himself and bizarre angles you, you still can't stop him so it's a mark of how good he is but he was you know he, he's exciting isn't he I thought I thought uh, uh, Will Talbot Davis at fullback mm. did you know, did alright I thought he was he had, he had quite a quite a tidy game I I quite we touched on uh, Jared Rosser but I I quite like him. I think he's. I think he's a really good player. He's. I like I, him. You know, he's he's still a work in progress, but that that raw pace is is going to be an asset to Dragons. And he knows he knows where the try line is. He does have a habit of finishing, and he does. Done that for, yeah. Whenever he's got an opportunity, so I, I think he is going to be a, a very valuable player for the Dragons. And we've said this before; they've got good options out wide. There's him and Hewitt and. Then you've got the likes of Holmes to come in. You've got prospects like Dyer. So it is one of those areas that that the Dragons do look like they've got some some options. They do. They've got some really. They got. They got have some really nice plays now in the backs. Quick ball. They can slow down the passing as well in the backs through through Sam Davis, who I thought had a had a had a really good game. Uh, Roger Williams, you know, went well. We know he's a quality nine, don't we? So that then they're nine ten. Who are going to be? Who are going to be there for for the campaign? A lot. So much is going to come around that. It's 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 the same old stuff, isn't it, for the dragons? If they can get that 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 tight five tight, then they will they will cause sides trouble. They're dangerous out wide. I don't think any side is really going to going to want to give them a lot of ball out wide because they'll cause any side trouble. I think they've got that much that much firepower, um, and they're quite unpredictable. They're quite a difficult side to read now. So, yeah. um, and with Sam's kicking game as well, he, they, he can move people around. So, backs are looking sharp and forwards. It, it is, a, for me, it's a case of work in progress, really. It is. The thing that I've been, and you know, I'm sure that the Dragons bashers on Twitter have been out in force this weekend, but the thing that I've been, that's given me encouragement is normally speaking in a game like that where we'd picked a very inexperienced front five and, you know, I know the scoreline isn't flattering, but for 55, 60 minutes, we were in that game. 
and in the past they would have been the fixtures where we'd have been blown away early doors so they're things that i think give me encouragement that there is the the semblance of a team coming together so that is definitely a positive and oh, totally i mean i i think that if you you know you think that the dragons of old to get with the set piece dominance that, that the scarlets had to get to, to get 20 points is is you know that's that's seriously impressive that that's that's playing some rugby isn't it that's playing yeah. more than some rugby so and you think you know if Ross's try was a try, uh, it, it, it could have been a different a different case. Yes, the Scarlets always should win because of the because of the set piece they had. But there's some there's some serious rugby being being played. So I think it's it's exciting for the Dragons. You must you must be excited. I am. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely the the most encouraging signs that I've seen there for a very long time. I think the recruitment has been good, as I've said before, and it, it is the, it is small steps. But playing in games like those and not getting blown away, but but the acid test is the acid test. I think is going to be how how we go against Bristol. Go there as massive underdogs, and I've no doubt that uh, yeah, the, the 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 bookies will make Bristol heavy favourites, and they will pick a strong side because they'll want to win. They'll they'll want to bring some silverware home, and they'll be looking at this game thinking, well, this is a quarter final that we should win. And I'm not suggesting for one moment that the Dragons will win this, but. To, again, to be in that game, that's going to be a proper, a proper indicator of where where they are and how they're progressing as a side. If we can get to get there and give, and, and be again be in the game with 10, 15 minutes to go, that's when you start to see a bit of the character. So, I mean, I, mean, I am excited by that by that prospect, and he's not picked his strongest fifteen in either of these two games. He's been treating them like like tour games. But, you know, <laughs> the sceptics uh, amongst the audience will point back to the time when I said the same thing about Jackman writing off games, saying, oh, we're just going to send players out for experience. So he, it, it is, a, I think it's a different scenario to that. But the results will have to come. And I'm not suggesting that the results will need to come in that quarterfinal. But when it comes to next season, we can't just be talking about performances. It has to be you know, you're, you're winning your home games or certainly the vast majority of them. Yeah, and I think that that squad is, um, you know, it's good enough to win, you know, to, to get some good wins there, really. Yeah, I reckon so. I think that's, I think that's the case. So hopefully... In that Bristol uh, game, mm. there's, there'll be a lot of rugby on display there, I think. It's going to be, that should be a really high-scoring game. Yeah, it will do. It will, I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sure there will be the... I suppose the the problem with Dragons in the last two weeks has been the one clear trait has been the I don't know I guess not even looking blunt in the in the twenty two it's been the errors the the kind of the unforced errors that have that have come in the when we're in the red zone and that's something that, that's going to have to change with that game if you're going to need to have any uh, any hope of of getting close to Bristol so we'll see but yeah, what, the errors and also yeah. the the penalty count they've got, yeah. got especially against Bristol you know they're going to have to make sure they don't give away any silly penalties so they're going to have to be a massive massive emphasis on you know zero penalty across the board boys because you give you give those those guys easy 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 outs and easy front football and it'll be even difficult than it will be on the day yeah, you're absolutely right. Of course, Scarlets have their own 
European quarterfinal to look forward to. They'll be heading out to France. What's yeah? What what do you think of that? Is that they got they got a real a real opportunity there to uh, to to cause an upset? I suppose home advantage isn't isn't quite what it was now. No, I I, I was I definitely think the Scarlets have got have got more than a chance of of winning of winning that game. I'm I I'm going to go for a Scarlets winning that. I think they're they're in a really good place. You know, some new some new players in there, some you know some new co some new coaches coming in mm-hmm. that we know we know are good. You know, scrum is uh, scrum's going to be big over there, which you know Samson's Samson's playing well, and so is Win. You know, Win Jones. So uh, you know, Ken is Ken. I mean, what you know, what a performance again. I, they've. I would be targeting that for a win. Got to be a win. Interesting. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a side we know well too long. Just to go back to that point about home advantage, do you think that this is a that because you're not going into the you know I guess a your archetypal French cauldron environment? Do you think that that gives a a much more level playing field? Yeah, I think it makes it. It makes it. It's going to make it slightly uh, less uh, intimidating them because the French, wasn't it? When, once they get going and the crowds, the crowds are on you. It's 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 pretty powerful, isn't it? I think it does. It does still give uh, advantage to the to the home side, just in terms of familiarity. Mm-hmm. You know, you know your own you know your own pitch, don't you? A lot better than you, you do anyone else's. Um, so just that level of comfort, but certainly not having the crowd there. Um, you know, you ask the Toulon boys whether they'd rather have the crowd there or not. It's definitely say we'd have the crowd. So that's I'd be I'd be playing on that. It's gonna it's gonna you know it's gonna level things out to a degree, doesn't it? Definitely. Oh yeah, I, I, I'd be inclined to agree with you there too. We're going to preview those games uh, in more detail over the coming weeks, of course. Um, but we've also got loads more rugby to talk about on this episode, including analysis of the Cardiff Blues versus Ospreys game. We're going to talk more Wales as well. We're going to have a look at the fact that the Wales 7 side has been scrapped or postponed at least, and we're going to look at the future of the Pro 14 or Pro 16, however it may end up. And all of that is coming up after this very quick break, so don't go anywhere. Right, Dan, as we said before the break, loads to still get our teeth stuck into. I want to start, though, with the Cardiff Blues versus Ospreys game. Or rather, you want to start with that because you don't even know the result, do you? I don't. Tell me... Ooh, tell me... Tell me who won. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> yeah, I was, kept, well, I, was, I was thinking, kept, what can I come up with? No, no, nothing was coming. Yeah, it was a pretty comfortable Cardiff Blues win. It was 29 points to 20. They beat the Ospreys. And uh, there was a late consolation try for the Ospreys there. But generally speaking, I think uh, I think Cardiff Blues were, were comfortably the better side. Uh, Jason Tovey, of all people, picked up the, the Man of the Match awards. Tovey? Yeah. Grabbed Still himself, going. Grabbed himself uh, five penalties, two conversions. 
So uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be pleased with that uh, with that effort. Uh, yeah, really, I, I think they had a lot a lot of front football. Cardiff, there was a lot of a lot of kicking, toing and froing, and I think generally that uh, that then meant that, that on the opportunities when they did run it back, they had. Uh, they had the better of the game and the Ospreys just kept giving penalties away. So whether it was field position or points, that just made life very, very difficult. And and really that, that stopped them kind of getting into the game at any real point. They grabbed a try just before half-time, the Ospreys, and and that meant that they did have you know a foothold in the game. But really in the second half, I think Cardiff were, were comfortably uh, the better side and a really impressive performance from their back row, I thought, which was made up of uh, Jim Botham, Shane Lewis-Hughes and Josh Navidi, who played at eight. And I thought they did a, they did a, a really impressive job, you know, in terms of ball carrying, tackling, turnovers. All three of them I thought were really, really impressive. And uh, yeah, just generally a, an all-round all decent performance from, from Cardiff Blues, who will have wanted to put one in, given that they were... I, I thought they were very unimpressive against the Scarlets a week before, but that was a you know that was a, a decent performance and a good win. Uh, I was just looking at the um, you know the squads. I, I liked I liked the look of that back row on paper, but didn't quite know how it would how it would fare up. So it's nice to hear that uh, it went it went well. I mean Shane Lewis Hughes, I've I've been impressed with for a little while. He's he's quite a, a very, very destructive. Yeah, I said that a couple of times. He's a strong carrier, isn't he? Really yes, and they, and they need big work rate. They yeah. need that in their back row, as we've said a number of times. Particularly with Nick Williams retiring, they need players who are going to be able to to carry and get the ball over the gain line. And he he definitely did that. Uh, I thought Navidi did an excellent job. You know, he's such an underrated ball carrier, Navidi, because he, he looks, is, yeah. you know he, he wore eight on his back. Both of them wore seven on his back, and uh, and Shane Lewis Hughes was was at six. But I think in terms of how they actually were functioning, you can kind of ignore the. The numbers on their back to a certain degree, but Navidi did a very good job with ball in hand too. So, yeah, I think the balance within that back row is good. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that necessarily that Jim Botham is a is a seven. I would see him more as a more as a blind side. But the balance there just just seemed just seemed to work on this occasion. And uh, yeah, it, it seemed more than enough, more than the match for the Ospreys back row. It's more often than not, though, isn't it, that when Navidi's involved in the back row in a position. The, the blend, whether it be for Wales or or the Cardiff Blues, the blend just seems to it just seems to work because he does because he can do everything, can't he? I, yeah, I think there's a number of reasons for that, and you've hit the nail on the head. It's because he can do everything. He looks comfortable in any of those positions. So if you're asking him to be the ball carrier, he can do it. Certainly at club level, he can he can be uh, you know one of your main ball carriers, and. If you're asking him, I to think he's proven it. In, more, for, I think he's. I think international. He's for me. He's um, his carrying. I, I. I'm so impressed with him at, at at international level as well. And I don't think we're the same. The same Welsh side now without him. That's how. That's how highly I rate Navidi. Uh, I do. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. And it's well. I, I if we've said this a number of times, haven't we? But it. it the rise is is quite something, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, so many people were saying, weren't they? You know, excellent club player, but you know, not sure on the international stage. And just literally, 
he is so important to us, isn't he? But um, oh, great to hear that the back row went well then. Yeah, I think with the, just to, just to wrap up on the Navidi point, you're right. When it when it comes to Wales, I genuinely think that he is at that back row where we've got loads of options. He's the one name that's ever present for me. Whether you're playing him at six, seven, or eight, he is yep. the one that is that is definitely in the team. And you and you build your balance around that. You look at how they're going how they're going to best perform. But I think we've really missed him when he's not there. And uh, you know the same goes the same goes for Cardiff Blues. He's he's just such an influential player. And uh, yeah. No, yeah, another another strong performance. How did um, how did the scrums fare up? It was interesting actually because the Ospreys started very strongly in the scrum, and then Cardiff Blues came back and and had a much better a much better time of it after a kind of initial few uh, initial few uh, Ospreys dominant scrums. So yeah, it was a it was a strange one. The referee Adam Jones as well didn't see it. not that one of course, uh, but. Obviously, he was um, <laughs> didn't seem particularly keen on uh, you know on wanting too many restarts when it was happening. I think there was there was certainly a couple of occasions where the ball got to the back and he wanted them to uh, wanted them to play, or he, he gave a penalty because he didn't want he kind of didn't want to see the reset, which you know, I think just does make for a better game really because no one you know as important as scrummaging is, no one really wants to see that much of it. But yeah, it was a it, interesting interesting battle uh, there for a while but yeah I, again you, you know you mentioned in the first half the uh, giving away penalties and, and how much it can cost you and, and how much it did to the Dragons well I, you know that really was, was what it was for uh, for the Ospreys today I think they were you know they spent a lot of time offside and a lot of breakdown penalties and Cracknell ended up in the bin at one point and that was uh, that's you know that's what that's what really cost them because they they had no real field position and and again a lot a lot of errors but the thing I would say is that it's kind of to be expected certain sides are gonna you know perhaps take a little bit longer Ospreys you know they've had a torrid season let's, let's make no make no mistake about it and the worst season they've had in their existence so that I'm Think, sure they'll be, yeah. be glad to draw a line under it, but you have got a new coaching set up there, and that will take time to have a bit of it. I suppose they would have wanted an immediate impetus, but um, but it doesn't always work out that way. No, no, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, with it sounds like the so the penalty, the, you know, the penalty counts and the um, and the errors. So they beat they were they were high for the Dragons then and. And from what you're saying, they seem to be on the higher side for for the Ospreys over you know the Cardiff Blues. And it's it's often, isn't it, the way that if you are if if you are put under pressure, then you're going to make you're going to make errors, and in turn, then an error an error can be seen as a penalty as well, can't it? So uh, you know, quite often it's forced, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and and that pressure builds more pressure, doesn't it? And the 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 Cracknell yellow card was was actually it was one of those ruck uh, offences where he was just about on the wrong side and someone was pinning him in. I, th- I think it might have been Scott Andrews, the, the replacement, if, if memory serves me correctly. And, and so you could look at that and say it was harsh. He was trying to get out of there and couldn't go anywhere. But it was the accumulation. It was just it was just offence after offence after offence. And you knew at some point that he was going to reach for his pocket and he did. And again, that's always a sign that, that you're struggling in a game when you're, when you're giving away yellow cards for repeated infringements and and that's that's what it proved to be today but it was uh yeah you know it was a it was a slightly strange game you know at times it was uh, at the end of the game it was it was really really loose you know you had knock-ons that were turning into 
40, 50 yard counter attacks and uh, you had yeah you had all kinds of it seemed to really open up right towards the end of the game and then there were other times where it was very stop and start because of the, the number of errors but again like I said I think that's that's probably in no small part due to the fact that teams are still getting up to match speed really because you haven't played yeah you know, these in a way are your pre-season friendlies because they're they're the first games first games back after such a long period off do you enjoy the game Enjoy the game. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. I didn't think it was as exciting as the as a Dragons game, just because I think that it it felt to me like like Cardiff were, were going to win from from about half an hour in. I thought they they looked much more the uh, the comfortable side, and the, I, I don't know. I, I would always just rather see a game that's um, that you don't necessarily know the result of. But yeah, there was certainly there was certainly some uh, some enjoyable moments and. Yeah, I, I tweeted this out, and this is probably the most obvious thing in the world that anyone's ever said. But Josh Adams as a finisher is just is just so impressive, and I suppose you could be forgiven for thinking, you know, for him thinking having had such a brilliant World Cup a year ago, and then you know continuing that form for Wales during the Six Nations, although Wales didn't have the best time of it. He, you could be forgiven for saying, well, you perhaps wanting to ease himself in at, at Cardiff Blues, but he just looks like he wants to play all the time. And whenever he plays, he, he more or less scores. He's just a, he's just a, a stunningly brilliant finisher. Uh, he's, a, he's a magnificent player. I've got, I've got nothing but, but praise for how good he is and, and obviously how hard he works on his game. Yeah, it's so dangerous, isn't he? When he gets the ball, you do, you expect now, don't you? Expect him to do something quite, quite special and, when you have that expectation, it can bring a lot of pressure on you. But he seems to have just just he just he keeps on delivering, doesn't he? He does, and I think so much of it is down to the fact that he was let go as a you know as a as a young player. And I think he's just he just oozes that determination, and you can tell he works so hard at his game, and and the results are there in evidence. You know, it's he's a a prime example of someone that you would show to. That you would show to to younger players and say this is you know this is what you you have to do you have to work as hard as Josh Adams and constantly try and improve on your game and I think the do you think that sort of mental resilience will will hold him in in very I think you know, it very, has. Uh, I think, good I think, place then I think that mental resilience has turned him from you know from a player who who wasn't able to get a game and and was let go and it's turned him into one of the you know to to a fine international winger to someone who if the Lions tour goes ahead next year, I fully expect him to go on it. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to, to say he's a test lion. I, I just think he's such a, he's such a wonderful finisher that he's so reliable. He's great in defense and he's, you know, the only time I've seen him have a, a bad game for Wales or a, a bad time for Wales was that first half against Fiji during rugby world cup. And he ended up having a blinder of a second half and scoring crucial tries. So, you know, that's the, <laughs> and that was, now he was up against a pretty, uh, I, yeah. I mean, was it the bus? Was it? Or, you know, what's his nickname? The um, the bus the winger. Was I mean, surveyor, wasn't it? That was his nickname. The uh, the old All Blacks winger. Oh, yeah, well, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's not many that could. He, he Josh Adams has said there's not. There's not many that he thinks would have stopped. Um. Who's who's the winger he's up against? So um, it's Randranda on one wing, and it would have been uh, possibly Tuasova. Yeah, it would have been Tuasova, I think. Tuasova, yeah. Um, and there's the guy is 
two monstrous wingers. And uh, yeah. Again. But yeah, again, I suppose that, that resilience to, to, to literally not let your head go down and for it really to rattle you. Because those things can get into your head, can't they? And just think, hang on a minute, we're going to have to pull Josh Adams off, boys. He has had it. M- most wingers would fold under that pressure. And he was, he, he, the way he came, the way he just came back, it probably does all hark back to, to the, the fact that he's had, an, he's had a lot of knockbacks. And then, you know, suddenly he's playing, you know, he's playing second division rugby in, in England. And then he's come up and he's, you know, top try scorer in, in the Prem. And, you know, wanted by, you know, so many different clubs. So, yeah, yeah well, uh, you know, the, 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 Sinderford, say, wasn't it? It was Sinderford. That's right. Yeah, it was. He was playing for, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I have to say that the, <laughs> you know, what you just said there, that the, the shakiest performance he's put in in a Wales shirt was a game that he scored a hat trick in. So, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. a. Sets it yeah, all, doesn't it? It does, really. Let's uh, let's stick with Wales. Let's move on from uh, from the Cardiff game. Let's stick with Wales because there have been a couple of injury knocks, most notably at nine, with Thomas Williams likely to be ruled out for a, a bit longer than we were hoping. Now we've spoken about um, about nine and how it's become a, an area of of strength for Wales. Obviously, Gareth Davis has been doing it for the last couple of years. Reese Webb back in the fold now. What about that third spot now that, that Thomas Williams is expected to be uh, to be out of the picture? There's no Alan Davis because he, he's ineligible playing in England. Who do you think are the, the contenders for that and who would you be going for? So I think Rodri's, Rodri's a contender uh, from the Dragons. Uh, but I think Kieran Hardy is... He's certainly someone that's got to be got to be really looked at now. Mm-hmm. He's um, I, I, he's an impressive nine. There's he seems to he seems to have um, he's quite he's quite calm quite calm on the ball, isn't he? Seems to make a number of right decisions. Um, but it depends on the it depends on the sort of balance, doesn't it? Of of nines, doesn't it? With um, because it with that third spot, and I, I think we've we've potentially got it wrong on on that third spot, you know, over the last couple of years. So, is any anybody else that you think would? Uh... I mean, to be honest, I think it's Kieran Hardy as the next cab off the rank. I think you know, yeah. Roger Williams has done a very good job for for the Dragons, but I wouldn't be in a rush to bring him back into the international setup. I think that where he's where he's played so well for the Dragons, you kind of. I don't know. I think Hardy it would be the one I'd be looking at. I think his all-round game is 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 best suited to uh, to what Wales are trying to do. And yeah, with that in mind, he'd be he'd be the one I'd be going for. I think he's put in a string of impressive performances. But yeah, he's. I think he's he's got he's, he's got a lot about him. He, he knows where the try line is. He's an attacking. He's an attack-minded nine. But he's also got. Uh, you know, he's also got. Solid service. He's, he's quite a big chap as well. So, yeah, I, he, I think he would he would be he would be the one for me. I I can't think of of too many others that are necessary in the running unless you you know unless you're going back to having a look at Lloyd. Um, because yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, they would be, they would be the obvious ones. Then you're into you know you're into younger prospects. You know, like some of the the boys at the Ospreys. But yeah, for me, I think I think Hardy is is comfortably the the next cab off the rank. That's one is one eye on the future as well, isn't it? I know he's not, you know, he's, he's not sort of uh, 
you know, he's not 17, 18, is he? But he's 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 a young, you know, young young scrum half, and mm. I think he's uh, it'll really do wonders for him to to come into the Welsh squad, and we can we can have a look at him and see what he can do. Yeah, and another position that we've spoken about a number of times, and there being kind of a perceived lack of of depth there. But in the long run, I'm quite excited by uh, some of the options that Wales are going to have in the centre. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I think Johnny Williams. He, he looks like a real, um, uh, real decent, uh, decent centre, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Quality, quality twelve. Again, something different to what we've what we've had, and. Again, we've been worried about about the centre options, and uh, is it fair to say all of a sudden? I, I think uh, it is fair to say all of a sudden, to be honest, yeah, because it does it, seem like all of a sudden. Well, it does, and you've got obviously in the case of Johnny Williams, it is kind of all of a sudden because he's—I know he's been Welsh qualified all, all, all the time, but he, you know he was in an England squad. He might even have played a, a Barbarians game for England. He did. Yeah. yeah, he did. So yeah. it's um, yeah, I suppose that one is all of a sudden. But then you look at uh, yeah, you look at the Ospreys and Kieran Williams. He came off the bench today and you know looked a handful, but he was certainly mighty impressive against uh, against the Dragons a week before. He's someone that I'm sure we're, we're desperate to see a lot more of. Uh, Max Llewellyn at Cardiff had a really good kind of twenty minutes before he went off injured, unfortunately. But he's a he's a real prospect. Ben Thomas came on again. He he's a player I really yeah, how did like. He go? Um, a bit quieter than I would have hoped. I, you know, certainly nothing, nothing wrong. But he's a player that you want to see catch the eye. And the more I think about it, the more I think he might be a ten. Yeah, yeah, I do. I just, uh, I don't know. I think it's just perhaps his, um, perhaps his build and his athleticism. He's a nice footballing centre, but I just think he could have more influence on a game at, at 10. I'd like to see him get the ball in hand and, and see what he's able he, to do. He looks so, he's so classy, isn't he, on the mm. ball? Like this, he's, almost, he's one of the classiest looking players, isn't he, when he has the ball in hand. Um, he just seems to have, have a lot of time on the ball, doesn't he? Yeah. He so, does. We were saying this last week with Yestin that yeah, he, he does. You know, when he when he uh, certainly burst on the scene, um, whenever it was six seven months ago, uh, with those first those first few eye catching performances, you got the feeling that he was he was never rushed on the ball. And again, that just lends me to to think that he, he could be a, a a very good ten and in a position where perhaps Cardiff Blues don't have that much depth. But uh, you know, you know, obviously Jason Tavi trying to trying to prove me wrong there with a, a man of the match performance today. But you know, those backup options behind Jared, that, that's where that's kind of where I think his his future might lie. But you know, we'll we'll kind of see on that. But yeah, nonetheless, a lot of a lot of young prospects in particular at centre, and you've still got. I, I think what was kind of quite encouraging it was nice to see a, a lot of Welsh combinations out there. Uh, this weekend, yes. yeah, yeah, and it's so different, aren't they? And yeah, they they are absolutely, and and that's you know that's that's very much what we need. And and like you say, you've still got John Fox to come back into the fold. I very much expect Halaholo to get a to get an international cap for Wales uh, in this next uh, in this next season when he's fit again. So yeah, they they do seem like there's options, but it's that it's that big step up from club to international. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It is, but equally, you know, we need to 
there's been a lot, there's been a lot of players, isn't there, that, that we've said, you know, good club players that and not too sure whether they make international and they you know, they go very, very well. So the big the big thing for me with the that's so exciting about the uh, the, the centres is the way that we've got we've got so many um, different different types of centres now. Yeah. They, they they sort of all they all offer something different where for a number of years we've had similar ish they've been in a similar mould, haven't they? Now we've got the, the almost difficulty is gonna be working out what style of centre we want to play, depending on who we're playing against, which is which is certainly not a bad thing to have. Um and I think that's also probably gonna be the difficulty for for Cardiff Blues in a way, is who you know how they how they use those those centres with the with the ten that they go for because if they go for Jared obviously it's a totally different option from Tuvy isn't it and so yeah. somebody like Ben Thomas who um, he was on the bench wasn't he to come, coming off it's a it's quite difficult isn't it to know to to, to just slot in um, but yeah it's um, yeah, it's a lot more exciting times, isn't it, for Wales with the centre partnerships now than, than it certainly has been. It is, yeah. Only one way to find out whether they're good enough or not. And there's so much rugby to be played at international level over the next uh, over the next year or so that I, I think we're we're likely to we're likely to find out with uh, with some of these players. Uh, sticking with international rugby to to start wrapping the pod up, though, Dan. Uh, story today doing the rounds that South Africa might be replacing. Japan in this eight nations tournament or whatever the hell it's going to be called in the autumn and I don't know I don't know whether whether that prospect excites you or or not what do you think about that I I I can't no I can't say I can't say it excites me Mm. it's um it it it, I I don't really uh can I say that that it doesn't excite me? Well, does, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, does it? What does it do? What does it do for you? I mean, it's... Well, I've, I've said before. I've said before. I understand why this tournament is taking place, but it doesn't really. Uh, it, it's, it's not a thing, is it? It's just like it's no. just a random bunch of teams playing each other. Yeah, it's. Um, I, it can I mean, almost be any any site. You know, it, it doesn't. Um, no, it just doesn't really have a uh, make me go one way or the other. To be honest. No, I think that I think the bigger thing here. So this this story was supposedly the source for it. It was, it was Bernard Laporte. So you know it's come from pretty pretty high up within rugby politics, the, the world rugby vice chairman. Uh, but he claimed that they were in advanced discussions with uh, with South Africa to join the competition. And I suppose the bigger thing here is is where South Africa, the world champions, fit into. Uh, fit into world rugby are they a northern hemisphere side are they a southern hemisphere side geographically they're southern hemisphere time wise they're northern hemisphere the relationship with uh, you know with the uh, the rugby championship and what was zanzar and previously you know the super rugby relationship well that's pretty much you know that's pretty much come to a uh, come to a to a what seems like a bitter end and so more and more it looks as though they're they're heading north and if they are that means two things. One, more than likely the um, the Super Rugby franchises, you know, the good ones, will be joining the Pro 14. And theoretically, you could see the Springboks joining the Six Nations. 
I mean, well, otherwise, yeah. otherwise, where do they where do they play if if they don't play in the rugby championship, which they still might, but if they don't, where would where would they end up? You know, what would be the um, what would be the option? And and realistically, this this tournament, this is where it kind of gets interesting. Is this tournament will will decide that because I think the rugby championship is um, is earmarked for November and December, and that's you know you, you're not going to be able to play in both unless you send. Unless you send split squads, you send one to you send one to the rugby championship and one to the to the Northern Hemisphere side, which uh, I don't know. Maybe they're actually thinking about that, but realistically, this is going to determine where they end up. I think. Yeah, that that that's probably right, actually, isn't it? Well, yeah, because if if you wouldn't you wouldn't not play in the rugby championship and then play in this thing if there wasn't a route to Northern Hemisphere rugby, I don't think. So otherwise, you, you know, you're gonna you're gonna piss off your um, the size that you've played in the competition with for 20 years. Um, on the off chance that you might join the Six Nations, I, I think that that route will has to be clear cut. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. Maybe this is just a a story that's being leaked to try and uh, you know to try and be a bit of a bargaining tool. But I don't know. The the bigger picture for me is not whether they play is not about this tournament. It's about what the long term future of, of South Africa and, and in turn the Six Nations and Rugby Championship is. And at the moment it does seem you know, it does seem as if uh it would work work very, very nicely, wouldn't it, for, for South Africa to you know, to come over this way? I don't I don't think so. I mean personally I think it's um they're, those those South African sides are definitely going to join the Pro 14. I'm convinced of that. I can realistically, I think they'll bin off the, the two uh, the two weaker sides, and they will bring in the good Super Rugby franchises, and it will become a Pro 16 again with two conferences. I think, and that is is what I expect to happen. Um, again, doesn't excite me at all. I, I just think you know, yes, they're good sides, but. It's just a it's just a meaningless competition without any identity. The Pro 14, 16, yeah. whatever it is, it's just it doesn't mean anything. And I think that that would be the problem with bringing the Springboks into uh, into the Six Nations too. You know, realistically, this has always been a, a European. And I'm not you know I'm not saying this from a from any kind of a um, you know like particularly nationalistic point of view. Uh, I just think that the reason the Six Nations has worked is because it's been a European tournament with a lot of history between those sides, and then you added Italy, who were the you know the the next uh, the next cab off the rank, and they were added twenty years ago. I, I don't see how the South Africans kind of fit into that. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Um, I think also it it makes the the Lions tours a lot more um, a lot less special. Again, whether or not Six Nations organisers and and Springboks care about that. I don't know. I, I think they they perhaps should, but it's not the same if you. I know they only go to South Africa once every twelve years, but it's not the same if you're playing them every single year. You know. It, yeah, I don't. For me, I I I think it would um, could destabilize the, the the Six Nations. Really, mm. I think it would um, it would have a, a, a damaging effect. Well, yeah, I think it would. It's just it just depends on whether um, you know, kind of whether the money men um, think there is some some opportunity within that. Obviously, with South Africa joining somewhere, it brings it brings that market, it brings a broadcast deal with it. So I think ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. But if it were me, I would be I would be thinking very very carefully about uh, 
about that being the case. It just uh, the, the natural the natural home for me, I think, is for South Africa in the in the rugby championship. And and I think to bolster the the rugby championship would be a good idea. I think you know opening that up to Japan and Fiji slash a, a Southern Hemisphere uh, sorry a Pacific Island side would be a would be a wonderful thing. But um, the Six Nations just doesn't make sense to me. It, I think it's as um, if you're going to have any kind of alteration to those six sides who are already in it, it needs to be based on a meritocracy of having some kind of second tier that um, that offers a promotion and relegation. And I'm not even convinced that's necessarily the right route, but that has to be the way if you are going to introduce new sides, in my opinion. So you leave it alone, is it? Well, certainly I don't think, I, I don't think that, that, um, that bringing South Africa in is the, is the right route. Um, what would CVC say, Jeff? Well, this is it, Dan. I think if the money is, I think if the money is there, and they're going to be looking at, at ways of of getting the back their investment, then they will be they will be looking at that. And and I think perhaps more and more, I I'd thought as you as you'd have heard me said a number of times, I thought perhaps the British and Irish League was going to be the was going to be the route to them um, creating interest in a broadcast deal that's going to actually generate them some money. Uh, but perhaps that's not the the play. Perhaps the route is beef up the Six Nations and use the Pro 14 as a way of of bringing the uh, bringing the Springboks closer to the Six Nations. Obviously, there is undoubtedly a draw of having the World Champions in there, and the Springboks are you know a fantastic side. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's something that they are seriously exploring. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. One side who's not going to be playing any rugby anytime soon is the Welsh Rugby Sevens uh, side. That uh, that has been suspended and perhaps not the biggest surprise given um, given the financial situation. But it's it's a sad it's a sad thing to see. And I don't watch a lot of Sevens down, as you know. But what I have loved is is seeing some of the Sevens players. Um, you know, come and bolster the regions. You look at the likes of Sam Cross and Luke Morgan and uh, and Owen Jenkins at uh, the Dragons. I think there's been some some real good finds that uh, that have earned their trade on the on the seven circuit first and foremost. Yeah, it is a sad day. I don't think it's. Um... I hope it's not permanent. That's that's what I would hope. No, hopefully not. I mean, I don't think it's that surprising because obviously financially we're we're. We're, we're all going to be in um, a very, very difficult place, aren't we? But mm. yeah, there's been, you know, historically how many, you know, so many players have come through the, the sevens route, haven't they? Um, into the 15s game. And then, but I think it's something that has been looked at over the last five years is that trying to get, you know, sevens play, you know, more sevens players into the, into the 15s and not seeing them in, in isolation. Mm. Which so there's been more and more crossover, and um, uh, yeah, it's, I think any whenever there's a, a sort of you know a side that um, a side that folds for me as a as a you know genuine rugby fan, it's it's a sad day in itself, isn't it? But when it's when it's at national level, and you think of how you know where the where the sevens game is taken to, and the impact that it has you know around the world as well, and all these tournaments, I think. Sevens is is quite exciting, isn't it? It, it captures, you know, captures fans. It's another. It's quite sad because it's 
it's a different part of rugby, isn't it? Yeah, which, I think which, I think yeah, it has gone. its role. Uh, like I say, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's never done a great deal for me personally, but it's uh, it has its role in perhaps bringing in different audience and um, putting the game on a global scale. I think what's been great about Sevens is you look at the development of the likes of Fiji. Uh, sorry, Fiji. Of course, Fiji, fantastic. If you look at the likes of Kenya and sides like that, who've, yeah. you know, who've been able to to flourish in that format of the game. So. Um, it's, it's lifted. It's I think Sevens has lifted. It's lifted the game, hasn't it? it oh, away from, yeah. you know, away from just you know New Zealand, England, you know Wales. It's brought, yeah, it's brought, yeah, yeah, the likes of Kenya and you know getting some massive wins and and they won, you know, won a couple of, you know, they won a couple of uh, a tournament, haven't they? Um, so it's yeah, that that side of it's pretty, you know, pretty sad. The Welsh side's not going to be involved, but look, am I surprised? No. So, no, you're absolutely there right. It is really, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a down point to end on. But uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing. Are we going to be hearing a bit more of you in uh, in coming weeks, Dan? Yeah, hopefully, you'll give me a ring now and uh, <laughs> get me on. You managed managed to get me away from a barbecue today. Oh, there we go. Which is uh, which is the most important thing. But uh, I, yeah, I'd eaten I'd eaten far too many sausages. Jed, there was uh, you know. You're in your barbecue and you just think, oh, I'll, have, I'll, I'll just have one more. There's, there's always a pile of sausages, isn't there, and, and burgers left over because you always cook. Whoever's cooking cooks too many. And you just, I bet you're, you must be like me. Oh, and yeah. You just dip in and, oh, you know, the sauce is there. Put a bit of sauce down, dip in the sausage. And then, like, right, that's, you say to yourself, that's the last one now. That is, there's no more. And then 10 minutes later, you're, you're back over there again, this time having a, having a burger. <laughs> yeah, but you sausage. don't have the bap. That's the thing. You, you, at this point in the in the, you don't have the bap. So you think it's all right. Sausage, then a bap. A sausage and a bit. It keeps going, doesn't it? And you feel you feel uncomfortably full. Yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I can. I so go you did through, me a favour. I go through sausage chasers like no one's business. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, uh, if you uh, if you want to hear more of. Um, of Dan Killick's dulcet tones and more of his barbecue tips, then, uh, uh, then, then let us know and let us know what you think about other things as well. You can do that on Twitter at Attacking Scrum, do it on Facebook, Instagram, however you choose to want to get in touch with us. And uh, yeah, there is, uh, there's no fixtures next week, but we'll be back nonetheless previewing um, the European games over the next couple of weeks. And of course, just keeping you up to date with all of the, uh, all of the comings and goings of Welsh rugby. And also don't forget, forget if you're coming back to the pod this week, or haven't been away for a while, we've got a huge number of our series called dream 15, where I had a load of great guests come on and choose their fantasy teams, uh, including the likes of James hook. Uh, we had Phil Davis, Rupert Moon, Sean Connor, as well as some of the regular uh, some of the regular contributors on this show. So make sure you go and check those out as well. Well, that's it for this week, and we'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon. Podcast Network.